Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This week, the Bookshelf Cinema is screening the Way, Way Back, The Spectacular Now, and In a World. As part of the Bookshelf's 40th anniversary reading series, Maud Barlow reads from her new book, Blue Future, at the Lakeside Church at 7 p.m. on October 9th. At the E-Bar on that same evening, you can see Odd Years, Lowlands, and Wayne Petty, and the bookstore has some new titles by Stephen Hannigan, Stephen King, and many more great writers, not necessarily named Stephen. The Bookshelf is located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph. Visit bookshelf.ca for more info. Creative Control with Beach Comic. Why, hello there. Welcome to another one of these shows. Thanks for being here. You know, I, I won't lie to you. I get asked to do some really cool stuff. Often it revolves around hosting some kind of event. People, I, I tell you, not a month goes by where someone doesn't ask me to host something, and it's great. I'm very grateful. Do you need something? You need something hosted? I'll host it. I'll host that son of a bitch. I can do it. I, I'm I'm good at hosting things for some reason. Anyway, I got asked to host the Rock the Line event taking place on October sixth in Mel Mel Lastman Square, just north of Toronto. Begins at two p.m. It's a concert, and it's a, an event uh, designed to raise awareness about Line Nine. And uh, Line Nine is a a pipeline that runs from uh, Ontario to Quebec, basically, or vice versa. I mean, that's part of the issue. They want to reverse the flow. Who wants to reverse the flow? This company, Enbridge. Enbridge is an energy distribution company, and they've applied to modify uh, this Line 9 pipeline in some way, in terms of what it's used for. And people are are up in arms about this, and one of those people is uh, esteemed Canadian musician Sarah Harmer. Sarah Harmer has helped organize this Rock the Line event, and it features performances by Gord Downey and the Sadies, Hayden, Minotaurs, and herself. So I, I got on the horn and I talked to Sarah Harmer about uh, her take on this. And then, for balance, I also contacted Enbridge, and a representative from Enbridge is also on the show, Graham White, and I have a chat. And uh, you'll see, there's a point-counterpoint kind of thing. I, I, you know, I wish I could have had them both on at the same time, so it would have been more like a debate. But it's kind of like a call and response a little bit. So I think there's a lot of information here. You're going to hear some music and learn more about uh, Line 9 uh, on either side of the thing. So here you go. Uh, Sarah Harmer, Graham White, Line 9. Hopefully I'll see you Sunday 
at uh, Mel Lastman Square in Toronto. And uh, again, I'll host something. I'll host whatever you want, including this show right now. If you love listening to vinyl records but wish you had a better way of storing your collection, check out Records on Walls. This Canadian company has created a sleek, simple framing design with no glass that allows you to quickly and simply display your records. They're easy to install on any surface. They fit double LPs and gatefolds, and each unit sells for as little as 7 bucks. So if you love your vinyl and want an accessible way of showing it off, check out recordsonwalls.com. Sarah Harmer is a very gifted Canadian singer-songwriter who originally hails from Burlington, Ontario, and is one of this country's most successful and respected artists. Each of her five studio albums have been critically acclaimed, and her latest, 2010's Oh Little Fire, was no exception. Harmer is also a noted activist and advocate for environmental and political causes close to her heart. Eight years ago, she co-founded Pearl, or Protecting Escarpment Rural Land, an organization which successfully campaigned to prohibit a gravel development that would have destroyed parts of the wilderness in the Niagara Escarpment. This Sunday, October 6th, in Mel Aspen Square near Toronto, Harmer and the Environmental Defense Organization are holding an event called Rock the Line, which features short sets by Minotaurs, Hayden, Gord Downey and the Sadies, and Harmer herself. It's meant to draw attention to the Stop Line 9 movement and to protest Enbridge's controversial plans to pump tar sands oil through southern Ontario in its Line 9 pipeline. Here now to discuss this further is Sarah Harmer. Hi, Sarah. How are you? I'm good. Hi. Where in the world are you? I'm actually in the big city of T.O. Nice. I just, yeah. <laughs> came up for a day. Good, good. It's nice to speak to you. Now, first of all, can you elaborate, elaborate upon your take on what is happening with Line 9? Right. So you've got a, like a 1976 vintage pipeline that runs, as you say, from Sarnia to Montreal. It runs right through Mount Nemo, which is where I grew up, and right through our, my parents' uh, farm, like right in the back of their farm, right on their property. So that's how I kind of got to intimately find out about it. Oh. Uh, yeah, um, and it's, uh, it's, a, it's a pipeline that's designed to pump light crude, sweet crude, I guess, and uh, which is a light oil substance. And now Enbridge's applied to the National Energy Board to reverse the flow, so pump... Um, Tar, tar sands, they want, to, they want to reverse the flow, uh, so instead of going from um, Montreal to Sarnia, they want to go Sarnia to Montreal, and they want to pump at increased capacity, increased pressure, um, abrasive, diluted bitumen, which is just heavy, it's like peanut butter cut with chemicals, mm. um, through this aging, dilapidated pipe that they're finding dents and cracks and corrosion and hundreds and hundreds of issues with all along the line. And so um, I got in, interested, obviously, because the the idea is clearly really risky and bad, in my opinion, and in a lot of people's opinions. And mm-hmm. um, so applied to be an intervener at the hearing, and then I've spent the last six months or so really learning a lot and studying it and participating at at, at the hearing. So uh, beyond just halting this whole plan, is there any other thing that you're 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 fighting for? I mean, it sounds like the, it sounds like the pipe itself, if it were replaced or something, that might solve some of the issues. But ultimately, what do you think? 
Well, I mean, ultimately, um, I don't think we should be locking ourselves into an antiquated um, fuel source. And I think tar sands fuel uh, is the most highly energy intensive um, fuel uh, that we could possibly be hauling out of the earth. Um, we know climate change is upon us and we are heading in the wrong direction if we keep pulling this stuff out of the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the people in BC, they don't want the Northern Gateway Pipeline going through their pristine watersheds. People in, in the States, they don't want it going through the Oglala Aquifer, etc. We in Southern Ontario have incredible water and natural resources here that um, are put at risk by by tar sands, and so I think we're all in the same camp. Yeah, I assume that the main rationale for Enbridge here is is that they're, you know, this plan is probably going to make them a lot of money, and I assume that's what's going on. Have have they responded to the Stop Line Nine movement and its concerns in any way? Well, I, we're throughout this hearing, you know, throughout the summer, we've been able to give. Um, questions, pose questions to Enbridge and then have responses and all the interveners have been able to do that and it's all on record so you're able to look at everybody's concerns, different municipalities' concerns Um, and you know uh, they nobody wants a spill of course Um, but if you just look three years ago Enbridge same vintage pipeline, Kalamazoo, Michigan that thing leaked for 17 hours before they found out about it and was the largest on-land oil spill in, in North American history. Um, uh, as far as their responses, in, according to you know, the Toronto Fire Department, they call Enbridge's um, emergency response in Toronto a generic response. It's, it's not, I don't think it's uh, answering the very many detailed concerns that a lot of uh, interveners have been posing. And, um, you know... Uh, I don't know if that answers your question, but there's there's been a lot of to and fro, and I don't between the company and the and interveners, and I haven't seen a lot of um, concerns assuaged. So what what is their position then? Are they just sort of from your take? Are they just sort of ignoring the problem and saying, well, it'll be fine, it'll be fine, or are they are they are they trying to come to some kind of as you say, no one wants to spill. Certainly, they wouldn't want to spill. It's if if, if anything, it's extremely embarrassing. And, uh, Unfor- yeah. Unfortunately, in the last 10 years, Enbridge has had something like 800 spills on their pipelines. Um, their track record speaks for itself. You know, huh. public relations isn't going to cut it. Um, and a bad idea is a bad idea. And, you know, nine million or more people live within 50 kilometers of this pipe. And it's not just the the uh, on land or in water issue with, with this um, bitumen. Uh, it's also the naphthene and the benzene and all the carcinogenic chemicals that they cut this heavy stuff with so that it can flow mm-hmm. through this pipeline. And when it, when there's ruptures in these lines, all that stuff goes up into the air. And so you've got huge issues with um, hydrocarbons in the air, in lungs, in um, through, you know lots of health issues. And this is going right through the most populated area in the country. So you're saying that their response to this is, look, if something bad happens... We have contingencies, but the fire department has said, you know, these contingencies are generic and, and they're not going to do it. Is that what you're saying? That's what's, that's what's happening. Um, they talk about their response times, and I've, I've seen them quoted between 90 minutes and four hours. Hmm. Um, they've got only, a, you know, only a select number of stations. They've been giving lots of money over the last two years or so to um, fire departments all along the line, um, which... You know, it, it, it 
kind of points to the inevitability of these things spilling. Um, but uh, this, you know, as, uh, as tragically we saw in Lac Megantic, that this stuff is um, very volatile, um, flammable, and extremely hard to um, contain, and it's very dangerous. So it, 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 in my opinion, and I think a lot of people's opinion, it should not be shipped in any way through such densely populated. It shouldn't be shipped from from the tar sands in a raw form like this, for one thing. Yeah, the, yeah. So you basically the for your from your take and the environmental defenses defense organizations take this just should not be even up for debate. Like this should not be happening in the first place. I don't think that there's any rewards. Like there's there's I don't think I can't see any benefits here. Yeah. Like we're not, it's, it's not destined to, inc- uh, we're not going to use it in Ontario. It's destined to, um, to most likely be shipped raw um, from port, you know, um, off the U.S. East Coast um, as a raw material. It's not going to decrease our, um, what we pay at the gas pump. Uh, so it's, um, it's just taking on all the risk of it pumping through our, our precious area here. Yeah. There's a, a frustrating feeling among some of us that, uh, you know, despite all scientific research, there's obvious changes in the in our climate, a startling array of man-made disasters. You mentioned 800 oil spills from this company alone. Some companies, policymakers, members of the general public just don't seem to be moved uh, to take, you know, these issues that are impacting our environment. They, they don't seem to be taking those issues seriously enough. And, you know, it's a broad question, but why do you suppose this is? Like, what will it take uh, you know, we've you've mentioned situations like the cities that have been impacted by this, but I'm I'm just I'm baffled that this is even still a thing. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. Um, I think um, old-fashioned kind of like roll your sleeves up, talk to your neighbor, uh, put on an event. I mean, that stuff is happening. I'm inspired by a lot of different organizations that are part of this. It maybe isn't in common uh, circulation as far as you know. You don't see you don't see ads on television um, supporting, you know, environmental groups as you would uh, Trans Canada pumping stuff, you know, during the hockey game last night, um, mm-hmm. talking about how, how, you know, how fine and safe these things are. Um, it's hard sometimes to get the the common sense stuff into the masses because it costs a lot of money to, to get in front of, um, you know, commercial audiences. But stuff like concerts and um, uh, really going out to meetings, talking to your neighbor, um, going out, yeah, seeing music, like having Gord Downey and the Sadies say that they're they're keen to be a part in Hayden and Minotaurs. I mean, um, I, I think that's just hopefully going to let other people know that um, this stuff is really tangible and it's um, just below the surface, no uh, pun intended or no literal <laughs> pipeline reference intended, but, you know, it, it's there. And um, now is a huge, hugely important time. Decisions are are being made and we've got to be part of that. And we, what we're really trying to do is, is tell the province that we need an environmental assessment on this. This thing hasn't been looked at since 75. Yeah. Um, so why would there even be debate about that? I don't, I'm, that's why I'm baffled. Like, why wouldn't they be like, yeah, you're right. We, this thing's really old. We've got to take a look at it. Yeah, I think it might be political will. And I, I'm no expert, but it seems that if enough people um, push Minister Jim Bradley, the Ministry of the Environment, uh, Premier Kathleen Wynne, if enough people say, oh, hello, this clearly this is something that's being looked at from the National Energy Board, um, but since the doing away with our environmental protections, courtesy of the omnibus bills, mm-hmm. um, this is a, we don't have the safeguards that Canadians think 
we have, you know, we don't, we don't have a lot of that stuff anymore. This is the first project that's going through on the scale since that um, gutting of our environmental laws. So we need the province to intervene. We need them to step in and do an environmental assessment. And that's what the, the biggest message, I think, is that this is up to our government, our representatives to do right by the people of Ontario. Right. So the Rock the Line event and Stop Line 9 are uh, essentially awareness and outreach campaigns. What is the timeline on this? Like, wh- when do we need to, wh- wh- when do people need to feel spurred into action, if not now? Right now. Well, the hearings, the National Energy Board hearings start in Montreal um, next week. I think they start on Tuesday, the 8th of October, and they run for three or four days in Montreal. And then the following week, uh, starting on the 16th to the 19th of October, they're in Toronto. And um, that's when um, I think this is look, being like looked at by the by the um, by the feds. This is the this is the time when oral argument is being made, and um, that's when we've got to um, say our piece. Okay. And then, is there a timeline from Enbridge in terms of when their their policy might be enacted? Like, are you racing against time to stop them before a certain point? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not quite sure what the time frame is after the board members from the National Energy Board hear the arguments. Um, I'm not sure then if they ha- what the time frame is before they write their decision. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know, I would say probably 12 months. I, I'm I'm no expert, and I I, I think some a lot of this is up in the it seems a bit loosey goosey, <laughs> um, but um, you know, talking to environmental lawyers who've been in Ontario working for decades on this, they're like, "We need an environmental assessment. This is ridiculous." Um, that's that's so. There is time, as far as I understand, for the province to uh, to get some will, get some you know. Uh, belief that they you know, that they have a say and I believe that they completely do I mean it's when I worked on Mount Nemo with with um, the uh, the Lafarge quarry proposal um, you know it was all Ministry of Natural Resources Ontario Ministry of Environment it was it was all provincially legislated so all of these wetlands and and um, endangered species and all the stuff that's at risk right now by this uh, proposal um, is is protected by the province. And so we need the province to step up and say, right, we're going to look at this thoroughly so we can feel, um, you know, make a decision ourselves. Right. Uh, I, I, yeah. And I, again, I, I understand it's a federally juris, uh, jurisdiction, but I think there are some things the province can do that's within their um, jurisdiction as well. So is there anything less than outright stopping Enbridge from doing this that will satisfy you and, and, and the environmental defense folks? No, I think abandoning the plan is uh, is the only uh, right course of action. Okay, all right. So there's no this is no concession thing. This is like they got to stop doing this. I I, I mean I, I can't speak for environmental defense because I haven't had you know that. But as far as everything I know, I mean I do talk with them all the time, and mm-hmm. and as far as I understand, um, there is no uh, this this isn't the direction we should go in. Um, this pipeline is, you know, it's a quarter of an inch thick and it's even on my parents' property, they've alerted us that they found an anomaly. So they found metal loss. Hmm. They want to dig up the line. And that's one of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of digs they want to do before December. Right. Um, so yeah, um, not, it's not the way to go. Okay. Uh, your the event Rock the Line is happening at Mel Lastman Square. Was this location chosen for any particular reason? 
Yeah, it's just a few minutes walk from the Finch station from the, the line nine goes right next, like it's 60 centimeters or something from the opening to the, uh, to the subway. I shouldn't laugh because it's kind of ghastly to think of a rupture happening right there. Hmm. Um, but it's, yeah, it's Mel Lastman Square in North York. Um, it's again, yeah, free show and it's right on the, it's right on the TTC line. So it's easy for people to get to. Um, and it's, it's right there, right where the, where the line goes through. Right. Uh, in terms of the actual event itself, I understand that uh, your set in particular, like just so people understand, each of the bands playing, are they're really only doing about five or six songs each, right? Yeah. Right. So it's it's a fairly compact, uh, you know, it's going to move along quickly. There'll be speakers uh, who will be disseminating information about the cause and things like that throughout the day as well. Yep. It starts at two. So I think we'll probably get underway just at a little after two. And probably wrap things up by 4.30 or 5. So, yeah, um, definitely like a family-friendly event. There's going to be stuff, some stuff for kids and food carts and oh, just a good old time to hang out, listen to music, and learn about, you know, our precious Ontario. <laughs> yeah, I'm bringing my two-year-old son. He's going to be there. Awesome. He's going to have fun. Now, your set, if I understand things correctly, your set itself might be particularly unique. Is there anything you can share about this before Sunday, or is that also kind of up in the air? <laughs> I'm kind of like a last minute kind of guy, but um, no, it will be unique. Let me think. What have you heard? I'm playing with Julie Fader, which is awesome and, uh, and thankfully not unique because I play with her all the time. Okay. She's going to be singing um, and Dean Driard on the electric guitar. Um, I think we're maybe going to work up a finale tune or two, and that's kind of on my shoulders right now. So I'm going to have to um, check in with the other bands and see what everybody's up for. But um, that's that's what I was getting at. I heard uh, the, I heard tell of a finale, and that's always fun. So I just wondered if you could shed some light. But it sounds like you'll figure it out. Uh, it's in the works. Yeah. Okay. Um, is there any other Sarah Harmer, uh, you know, news? Is there, uh, you know, recordings or anything like that coming up? Well, I think I got a, a collection of enough songs to um, to make a new record, and I think I'm gonna probably do something sparse and. Um, but full. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and I just have to figure out like who's going to help me do it cuz I'm I'm a bit of I'm kind of a chicken when it comes to the studio. Which I'm admitting to you right now. <laughs> I, it's kind of the scary zone for me a little bit. So, um but I'm I'm I think I'm ready. I think I got all the songs. So. Okay. That's great. That's great cuz I, I know it took you a little while in between uh, your last record and the one that preceded it. It took about 4 or 5 years or something for you to I know you were busy. You were camp- you were doing yeah. a lot of this work and I, I know that uh that was meaningful to you, but you know, we all we always miss you. We we miss your records when they're not around. You know what I mean? Thanks, man. That's <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, uh, the only thing I want to say to you before I, I I go is that if you could speak directly to a, a, a person at Enbridge, which I might be doing shortly, uh, what would you say to them? Ah, I would say, and I have. I mean, I've gone to some of their public open houses and asked them a lot of questions about how they monitor the pipe and a lot of things, but um. I would say, why don't you go back to, you know, pre-2008 era when um, Enbridge was on the cutting edge of, you know, moving beyond petroleum, where they were, you know, really investing in having people on their, uh, in their company working on sustainability issues, um, renewables. Hmm. They weren't putting it all on this last-ditch grab at the tar sands, which they reverted to, um, you know, around the the economic collapse in 2008. And, um, you know, 
they're betting on the wrong horse here. Yeah. Uh, and this is really a, an economic move. Um, as they will say, they're not an oil company. They're a transportation company. They're just moving the stuff. But um, they're... They're, I think they're vulnerable. I think they're they're on the wrong track. And um, so uh, be ahead of the curve, I think, is what I would say to them, and lead. And um, I know the bottom line uh, really speaks loudest to a lot of people, but this this is uh, the commons. This is all of ours, you know. This is um, this all, all of this precious water and, and natural uh, resource belong to citizens, not to private corporations. So I think they should get on the side uh, that's going to benefit citizens, not their bottom line. All right. Well, that's well said, Sarah. And if you don't mind, I might rip you off. And I might actually say this if I if I get uh, someone on the phone from this uh, from this company. Give her. <laughs> I might as well. Why not? <laughs> what have I got to lose? Uh, once again, Sarah Harmer, Gord Downey, and the Sadies, Hayden, and Minotaurs are all playing Rock the Line in Mill Aspen Square, uh, which is just off of Young Street, uh, just north of the 401 uh, in North York. The event begins at 2 p.m., and you can learn more about it at environmentaldefense.ca. Uh, Sarah, before we go, is there a song that might be relevant uh, to play right now, either from your catalog or someone else's? Yeah, I would say you should play a Minotaur's track from their latest record and um, make some noise. Sure, sure. That sounds good. They're, they're playing. They're, you're, good. you're on that record. You're actually on New Believers. I am on that record. I'm on um, another song. I uh, open love the, that whole record. Though. Open, open the doors. I think. Open is the, the doors. Yeah. So either <laughs> one, and and uh, yeah, October sixth, next this coming Sunday. Yeah, Woo-hoo. we'll see everyone there. All right, this is uh, the Minotaurs with "Let's Go with Make Some Noise" because that's what we need to do. And uh, Sarah, thank you so much, and best of luck with this event and the cause. Thanks, Vish. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Standing at the bottom, looking at where we fall. 
White is the manager of business communications at Enbridge, which, according to the company's website, transports, generates, and distributes energy across North America and employs more than 10,000 people in Canada and the United States. Despite the fact that Enbridge states that they adhere to a strong set of core values, namely safety, integrity, and respect, some Ontarians are up in arms about the company's plans to modify their use of their Line 9 pipeline in Ontario. Here now to discuss this further is Graham White. Hi, Graham. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Vish? I'm well. I'm well. Where Where in the world are you, Graham? I'm in Calgary, Alberta, which is Enbridge's head office. Right. You're the, you're the head office there, and, and you live in Calgary. Okay. That's good to know. Yep. Now, so can you elaborate and, and maybe explain this to me and to people listening? What is your plan? What is the company's plan for the Line 9 pipeline exactly? Sure. So Line 9 is a 38-year-old pipeline that um, currently transports the, the B portion, which is between uh, Hamilton or, or, we, or Westover Station, which is just north of Hamilton, uh, between that station and Montreal. It transports um, uh, crude oil, foreign crude oil, uh, in a uh, sorry, let's think about this in a westerly direction. Um, so for the uh, use of refineries. Uh, in uh, in Ontario, what we are proposing is uh, that we reverse that line or re-reversal because it was originally built uh, to transport product in this direction was reversed once before in 1999. So mm-hmm. this is actually a re-reversal, returning it to its original direction, so that it flows from west to east and can provide Canadian crude for uh, refineries in uh, in Quebec, uh, Montreal, and and um, Quebec City, the Ultramar refinery just outside of Quebec City, um, instead of the uh, expensive foreign crude, which uh, those refineries are currently refining. Okay. Now, it's not just crude oil, though. Is, is there not a modification to what's actually being transported through the pipeline? 
Uh, no. So there's a, a little bit of misinformation, and then some would say a lot of misinformation out on that. Um, we did what we did is we applied to change the tariff so that. Um, we could, if it were requested by our, our, our shipper clients, which are the refiners on the other side of the line, to transport uh, heavier products, including uh, maybe portions of Dilbit, uh, diluted, which is diluted bitumen, um, that uh, they would be able to do so. But the vast majority, um, and in, in most of the time, all of the product on that line will be what it is currently pr uh, transporting and what it has been transporting for the past 38 years, which is light crude. So where is this misinformation coming from? I mean, this has been one of the major uh, points of contention is that this bitumen, this 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 uh, chemically diluted tar sands oil, is actually going to be pumped through this thing. You're saying you're saying that that's permissible, but not necessarily always going to be the case. Basically, that's 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 exactly right, Vish. And it's a um, what I think the reason that that people are focusing on that uh, so so much is that. Uh, we are pipelines are a very popular target right now to oppose uh, well everything energy industry related but but especially uh, oil sands or tar sands depending on what side of the argument that you're on um, but they are very popular in terms of uh, and an identified strategic target I might I might add to uh, some activist environmental groups uh, to uh, you know pr promote their their cause against this vital Canadian resource uh, which provides so much wealth for for this nation not to mention uh, support Supporting basic services that everyone relies on everywhere. Hmm. But the part of the argument is that this pipeline itself, which you describe as 38 years old, I believe it's, uh, and I believe that's accurate. Does this pipe is this pipeline equipped to deal with the modification in transport that you're uh, you're hoping for? Right. So there's no there's no difference in the specifications of a pipeline, uh, depending on uh, regardless of the product that it's carrying, um, if it's transmission grade crude and Apologies for adding a little bit of complexity to this argument, but one of the common accusations that we are given is that, you know, it's going to be this this uh, very highly viscous type of bitumen, raw bitumen that is going through the line, which is just not the case. The line nine is a transmission pipeline, so it's a transmission crude pipeline. The the crude that flows through a transmission line is transmission grade crude, so it has been already been processed and in some cases upgraded, uh, so that it can travel down that line safely. Um, therefore, uh, regardless of whether you have very heavy products, light products, medium products, sour products, sweet products, doesn't matter. It's all transmission grade crude that goes through a transmission line. By the time it gets out east, what we're talking about in terms of some of that, you know, more viscous or abrasive uh, material or product comes from collector or gatherer lines that are upstream in the producing regions in Alberta and Saskatchewan, for example. Once they get all the way to Ontario, um, they have to be uh, processed for refining, you know, to be refined in the refineries in Ontario and Quebec, and they are. So uh, they have again, been processed, and they are constitute a very similar type of product once they uh, they get to that point. But that's a bit of complexity that certainly doesn't suit the, the arguments of our opponents, and they're happy to skip over that when they're talking about um, the so-called effect that uh, this product's going to have on the line or the environment. Okay, basically, you're, you're diffusing the argument. You're saying that that, the, that this is just simply misinformation, because, I mean, you the Stop Line 9 movement has been brewing to halt your plans. There's these hearings coming up. Is your basic response to this uh, uprising that uh, they're wrong? 
Oh, on many, on, they're wrong on many levels, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 not just scientifically incorrect, but but just factually incorrect in terms of you know how the energy industry works, how transmission versus gathering and collector pipeline works, how refining works, uh, the emissions from refineries, all of that. But 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 who cares? They're not accountable to anyone for their answers. We are. Um, and in fact, we have to prove uh, what we say, and we do. Um, we're, we're accountable to regulators, to the public, um, to our stakeholder groups, our landowners, to native groups. Um, so we better be able to back up what we say, and we absolutely can, and we do on a very regular daily basis. Um, and I would encourage anyone who has any doubts about that to, to approach us with them, as they have and they do uh, regularly, and we're happy to, to address those. We've been very active in, uh, in the communities, in the region, and consulting along the right-of-way line nine right of way so to address all these concerns and these issues um, and have had a lot of success with that and and have found there is a lot of yes there is opposition but there's also a lot of support for this project people would rather excuse me would rather have canadian crude flowing through their lands to canadian refineries supporting uh, our economy and and our energy security in that manner than this north african foreign crude or from other areas that uh, is expensive and comes from you know regions with questionable human rights records and uh, that type of thing so um, for canadian crude for canadian refineries this is a this is a, a great project can we do it safely? That's an absolutely vital question. It's a legitimate question. Um, but we have proven that we can, and we uh, will continue to do that. We have uh, uh, hundreds of integrity digs along this line that will happen regardless of whether or not the reversal is approved. They will continually uh, maintain and improve uh, the, the quality and the safety of this, of this line, which, by the way, has operated very safely. It has an excellent safety record in the 38 years that it's been in operation. When you say excellent, what does that mean? Uh, how many Have there been incidents? Have there been spills uh, on this pipeline? Yep. There, there so have... all that information, yeah, there's been 13 incidents on this line. Um, some of them are spills and uh, all of them are in, sorry, not all of them. There, there's one that was a third party uh, incident, which was, again, not related to any of our operations, but it was shortly after the line was installed. And sometimes people don't aren't aware that lines are there. We do everything to ensure that they do know. But regardless, it still happens. And then we, so we had, but again, it was on station. Uh, the majority of these incidents were uh, at facilities where they could be quickly contained, um, uh, detected, and cleaned, um, and didn't affect the surrounding environment. And uh, other spills have been, again, uh, in small quantities, quickly detected and, and cleaned up. And that's our goal. We have a zero benefit to any spill. Uh, and we also take our, our spill, you know, our, our um, uh, commitment to ensuring there are no spills. Our goal is zero spills very seriously to the tune of a billion dollars a year we spend on pipeline integrity to ensure that um, we have uh, as few spills as possible. Right. And, and, we have, and we have a better than industry record to reflect that, much better than industry record. Okay. Uh, I'm curious about why your company would take the risk of uh, causing any spills. You, you kind of just spoke to that, and I appreciate that. But your, your contingency plans have been criticized by city officials in Toronto as both slow and generic. What's your response to that? Well, again, we have provided um, all of those plans to uh, the city officials, not just in Toronto, but in other municipalities, large and small, um, along the right of way. Uh, and, and I agree, you know, I, I don't think generic is the best name for uh, what we have uh, to provide to, to those regions, because um, what we, when we say generic, we want to say, here's everything that we're going to do, no matter where you are along the line. It's a very extensive list in terms of resources that we can bring to bear, personnel, expertise, um, to respond. So uh, so I think we need to make sure that the public is aware of 
um, all those resources that, that we can bring to bear um, to respond to any size incident. Um, and certainly large incidents are extraordinarily rare, but we are still prepared to respond to them and we exercise regularly. In fact, we just had a Grand River exercise last week um, that was a full-scale exercise for a flowing water spill. Um, and, and that's, you know, we, we, us and the public, I think our greatest fear is the, is the spill of, of any product um, into a water, flowing waterway. So that's where, where we spend the, the majority of our resources and exercise and, and focus is on the spill into a, into a flowing waterway because that really poses uh, the greatest environmental impact. Um, and it's something that we want to, and it requires, you know, the greatest response and speed uh, to, to address. And so we feel confident that uh, we're able to, to do that. But we always want to get better as well. And, and I should also mention we have contracts. We have extensive contracting resources that we can ramp up our already extensive response to whatever level is required. But, uh, you know, as you had mentioned earlier, our goal is no spills, is, is to do everything you can so that that doesn't happen. Um, if it does happen, there's assurances in place. You know, as, again, we want to assure people that, that we have measures in place, but uh, we spend as I said, literally hundreds of millions of dollars to, to ensure that that doesn't happen. And that's why we do integrity and maintenance work along the line uh, all the time. Right. Sarah Harmer and I just spoke, and she wonders uh, why Enbridge is delving further into oil transportation uh, instead of looking into more sustainable and progressive energy sources and working more towards that. What, what's your response to, to, to her statement? I have a $3 billion response to that because that's how much uh, Enbridge has spent on alternative and renewable energy sources since 2005. Uh, we're huge players in wind and solar energy. It's, a, it's an entire, uh, it's, a, it's something we take very seriously as an entire separate aspect of the company. Um, we recognize the importance of reducing GHG emissions in our footprint, um, and that's why we've made such a, a serious and long-term investment in uh, renewable and alternative energies. Um, and the vast, you know, a tremendous amount of the investment in, into alternative energies is being done by energy companies. So I would ask her, you know, other than concerts, what she has done recently in terms of uh, providing funding and actual uh, money where her mouth is, uh, funds to a uh, to renewable energy uh, to the tune of, of what Enbridge has done. It's a huge priority for us, and, and we show that with, uh, with our commitment. But, <laughs> okay, but whether it's bitumen-laced or not, the very idea of you... Uh, going forward with this proposal to enhance this pipeline suggests that you're still, you know, I mean, I guess from her point of view and from people like her, maybe it's time to move past this this energy resource. Maybe it's time to, maybe, I mean, I, I get the impression that maybe it's time, th their take is maybe it's time to abandon it and, and focus solely on renewable energy resources. Is that not... I mean, I assume that's not viable, and that's why it's not being done. But what, what's your take on that? Um, I, I, you know, I'd like to know what the last solar-powered tractor that they have seen. Um, you know, we, we need uh, the the level of energy that hydrocarbons provide. Yes, we need to be we need to be able to do it better. Uh, we need to be able to do it more efficiently. We need to be uh, always improving in terms of our environmental sensitivity and reducing our impact. And we do. Uh, we take a lot of very specific measures to to do that. But um, are we going to get rid of hydrocarbon uh, energy sources anytime soon? No. And in fact. In fact, um, you know, we'll need all of the energy sources, including renewable energy. Um, should we be uh, transferring again to as much as we can uh, to more renewable and, and less 
and, and, and uh, methods that have less impact on the environment, of course we should, and Enbridge is a big part of that. Um, but in the meantime, we have to provide this basic service that literally uh, war, you know, keeps people's homes warm in the wintertime, feeds them, and, and gets goods to market, provides fertilizer for the food that we eat, um, and makes life possible in, in this Nordic country of ours, as well as you know, around the world. So um, although idealistically, I think it's a, it's a worthwhile goal and, and a worthwhile vision to have, and again, one that on, on many levels Enbridge shares, the practical reality of the situation is that people need these resources uh, vitally for their daily lives, and uh, we're happy to provide them as safely uh, and efficiently and with little impact as possible. So if you receive the Na National Energy Board approval for your request, uh, what is the benefit for residents of the communities impacted by Line 9? You mentioned, uh, obviously, this is a major energy source, and this is what... Uh, uh, what keeps people's homes warm at night. And you also earlier mentioned a kind of patriotic aspect to doing this. You know, you're not going to be relying on foreign crude anymore. Is that, as far as you can see, the major benefit? Because your opponents are, are suggesting that there's really only, uh, in the event of a disaster or spill, there's really no core benefit for those communities. How would you respond? Yeah, and so other than what you mentioned, which is is to me is is uh, curious as to why that is such a small benefit, the main <laughs> the maintenance the maintenance and enhancement of a of a bite of a basic vital service uh, that supports all of our lives our, our lives and our lifestyles. Um, okay, well, I mean, y you need more than that. I mean, there is the the uh, Canadian oil for Canadian refineries, as you said. There's a it's good for energy security. It's good for our overall economy um, and supporting uh, uh, the the fundamental for manufacturing. Uh, which is very important to southern Ontario and Quebec, uh, and uh, oil products uh, provide that basic element to to those economies as well. So there's a direct benefit there there as well to the to their manufacturing sector. Um, but um, construction and maintenance, we we are an employer in Quebec and Ontario. Many of our employers uh, employees are in Quebec and Ontario. Many of our contractors uh, for all this maintenance that we require along this line uh, through our integrity digs. That's a construction project every single dig, and we do uh, you know hundreds of them a year, our construction projects that hire and provide jobs for local contractors um, and not just our own employees um, and that uh, and that level of expertise. But the, you know, Suncor has come out and said that um, they will be in a position where they may have to shut down their refinery in Montreal uh, if they aren't able to get this line reversed. And that's uh, 2,000 jobs right there. Um, so there's, uh, so supporting the refineries out east and the Nanticoke refinery, by the way, in Ontario, which is what line 9A supplies. Um, and that's uh, several hundred jobs, and the the contractors that support those um, uh, those refineries are, are immense um, and represent another you know more thousands of jobs, but also a huge in input into the economy. And the uh, that's those are very tangible, very real benefits um, on the ground uh, from from uh, this project. Okay, so from your perspective, this project is one of many that keeps sort of the economic engine running. And and that uh, from your and, and that the, the concerns of your opponents, which are primarily environmental, um, th basically the bottom line outweighs those concerns. No, not at all. I, um, in fact, I would be uh, I would almost dispute that in the sense that um, environmental concerns are absolutely critical to us as well, and nothing overrides uh, environmental concerns. They're the there are there are absolute. I mean, other than the safety of people um, and and the public, uh, the environment is our is our absolute top concern. And um, and Enbridge prides itself uh, being an environmental uh, company, sustainable company. Corporate Knights has has voted us as or has. Um, uh, 
provided us with, you know, one of the most sustainable hundred corporations. You know, we, we, it's something we strive towards. Um, and when we answer questions in these communities or to these groups um, regarding uh, environmental, uh, you know, what is what we are doing for the environment and how we value and uh, preserve and reduce our impact to the environment, those are some of the most important questions to answer. Mm-hmm. So I just say it would be, uh, again, uh, some of our opponents position, putting us in a position where the environment is not a priority for us is, is, is ludicrous. Um, it, it is a huge priority for us. Um, and in fact, everything we do um, represents that. Right. It's clearly a heated and contentious uh, issue. Um, and you've said a, a lot already. If you could directly address proponents of the Stop Line 9 movement or, or those attending the Rock the Line event in Toronto this Sunday, October 6th, what would you say? What would you say to them directly? Uh, well, we encourage debate and on any of our projects and any of our initiatives. And as a company, we recognize the rights of, of individuals and groups to express their views. Um, but we, what we always say is, is uh, you know, please just look at the facts. Please talk to us. Um, we're happy to provide uh, information on our on our on our uh, projects and on what we do and our operations and our services, um, and and back it up. You know, we will back up what, the information that we provide, and because we have to, um, and we're expected to, uh, to, to regulators and the public and to emergency services and to, to everyone else. We're doing that every single day. We're accountable for what we say, um, and, we're, and we're very happy to provide any information uh, that people request of us. So I would just say, you know, uh, check your sources and um, make sure that you're getting information from different sources, not just one single source that may be on, you know, the far environmental activist sides. There's many environmentalists um, that work with us or for us um, that are that have to do hugely valuable work in ensuring that we stay true to the envi- our, our commitment to the environment, uh, and that is and and that is what we're very interested in in participating in. But you know, on the activist side, to just uh, or the extreme side uh, of that argument, to just oppose anything energy um, or oil sands because of a you know a greater agenda um, to to convert everybody to renewable energy, which is is simply not practical and not and not uh, feasible um, is I think can be you know can can give people a, a very erroneous perception. Are you willing to have a full environmental assessment uh, conducted of this project? Well, so first of all, we've already done that, um, and it's it's it, part of our application. It's online. Anybody can go to the NAB website uh, and see our extensive environmental assessment that we have done for this project. Um, but I think what people are are asking for is a third, you know, a third party or another party environmental assessment. Um, so, I mean, if it's something that is re- required as part of a regulatory process, uh, then of course we would comply with that. But uh, in terms of what environmental assessments uh, we can do or have done, we've done it. Um, and and it's available for anyone to see. And you're satisfied? Absolutely. Okay. Well, once again, Graham White is the manager of business communications at Enbridge, and you can learn more about this company at enbridge.com. Graham, thank you so much for your time. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you, Vish. Hey, thanks again for checking out Creative Control with Vish Khanna. You can email me about the show at creativecontrol933 at gmail.com. That's creative with a K, control with a K, 933 at gmail.com. You can also follow our Twitter at Vish Creative, V-I-S-H-K-R-E-A-T-I-V-E. And you can also like our Facebook page. A version of this show airs on CFRU in Guelph every Wednesday at noon Eastern. And you can listen to that online at CFRU.ca or if you're in the KW region at 93.3 FM in Guelph. 
You can also sign up for the weekly mailing list for the podcast and the and the show at vishkana.com and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. I believe that is everything I wanted to tell you. Thank you once again. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.